Welcome to the Love Cars on the Grid podcast, your global motorsport roundup with me, Tiffany Dell and Paul Woodman. Welcome to Love Cars on the Grid, your global motorsport roundup. Uh, quite an interesting weekend. There was lots going on, none of the big stuff like Formula One, but we got WRC, MotoGP, Formula E, IMSA, IndyCar, NASCAR. So there was plenty, plenty of action, but I think... Okay. We- Can I just point out, Paul, I, I've, been, I've been cruising with the Porsche Club Northern Ireland's 25th birthday in, in Ireland, uh, and we're out near Westport doing some amazing roads. I haven't watched anything, but I have been researching. I've, I've read all the results. I've read all the gossip, but I haven't actually seen any motorsport this weekend. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think we should start off because... One of the most brutal races in the world, if not the most brutal race in the world, the Isle of Man TT race. If you're not aware of it, it's a motorbike race on the, on the roads of the Isle of Man. Uh, and it is just the most insane thing you've ever seen in your life. The average speeds are about 130 miles an hour on the big guys, just a bit more than that, actually. On these roads, these small country roads, and sadly, we've already seen two deaths. And it hasn't really kicked off properly. Uh, Olivia Lavarelle, um in the sidecars, and then um, uh, uh, the Welsh Mark Perslow as well. So, really it's, horrid. It's always controversial. You know, it's, I always say it's not actually a race because it's a time trial, isn't it? They all they depart, you know, thirty seconds, so it's all against the clock. Um, but yeah, but it's it's one of these events that a lot of people question should it still be allowed to run you know but you know, i think it's brilliant that this is what riders want to do and they they know the dangers they face this incredible circuit the buzz of you know running around there you know i see jason plato's there the few drivers are over there watching you know um tim harvey i think's been over and they're a little blown away you know and i've been around the whole course you know in a subaru one year when it was closed and uh, it's, it's quite a challenge and you know riders know the risks and, and sadly you know it happens happens too often maybe at the Isle of Man TT but no, uh, no. it's always too it's always too much but well, uh, well, let me tell you let me just put this on record that if, if ever anything happens with me I've had a few cage crashes if anything happens don't let anything stop let them continue doing whatever yeah, the they meeting, need to do don't cancel the meeting no. yeah, keep the meeting going you know I don't I don't know any racing driver in the world that will want to do that so don't cancel yeah. the meeting keep it going in fact Take a day off on Monday. Say that you're my friend and that you're, you're, you're in mourning. Just have a day off on me. I mean, yeah, don't... don't, don't. <laughs> have a day off on me. That's a very yeah. general legacy you're leaving there, Paul. I, I should remember that one. You know. But I would imagine all of these writers would be delighted that it is going on and it is going yeah. on, you know, not just in their honour, but for, for all those crazy bike, uh, bike guys. It was terrible for the family they're behind, you know, children and wives and stuff, but uh, every, they, they're in it. They all know what they're facing. So, World Rally Championship, our man, Elfin Evans, he's having a bit of a torrid time. He's been so close, but he's always had, had little stumbling blocks. And he had a big one every weekend. You know, Sebastian Ogier, his teammate, just sort of stole the crowd in the last round both years. And of course, Ogier's now sort of retired, but he still comes back for some rallies. So, Elfin must have thought, this is the year now. Now I'm the team leader. And this flipping kid, Gale Rovenbera, has come on and just blown the whole scene away. They won three on the trot. But this weekend, he couldn't quite make it. It was a really tough, really hot out in Sardinia. And of course, the championship leader, you start last, you start first on the road on the first day. You're this road sweeper. And whereas amazingly, in, it was Portugal, wasn't the last one, Rovan Perry managed to sweep the roads on day one, dropping down, and then climb back up and win the rally. But uh, in Sardinia, it, it was so dusty, and even Robin Perra couldn't make a miracle and, and make up for the deficit he lost on day one. 
It wasn't just, you know, this road sweeping. There was dust hanging in the air. They were complaining. In Portugal, they ran four-minute intervals between each car. And for some reason, they all moaned. They dropped to three minutes. And in three minutes, the dust cloud doesn't go away. So not only you're following, you might have got to clean a road. But now you're, some of them were actually stopping in some corners because they didn't know where, to, where they were. Um, so really tough rally. We elfed out early on day one. That was the water leak. Um, but it really, it was high and dies weekend because they haven't won this year. You know, they've had so many problems, these new rally cars with the hybrids. Um, you know, Tanak, who was the sensation three or four years ago, was going to win every rally championship, finally got his first win since last October. Um, so it was it was really high and dies weekend. They still had gearbox problems, both he and Thierry Nouvelle on the Saturday. They were lucky that they cancelled the last two stages on Saturday. Uh, and so they could limp home with their gearbox problems and get them fixed for the last day. Otherwise, they may not have won it at all. Um, Nouvelle crashed out, though, trying to make up for the, the setbacks. Um, but yeah, incredible. Robin Perrin won. It was second. Oh, Craig Breen, of course. Very good thought. I mean, just steady run Craig did. Normally, Craig was a wild child when he was younger. But it looks like he had a really steady run to get a really good result for four because they weren't quick. They just were solid and kept in there. Um it was third, another Hyundai, Danny Sordo. Daniel Sordo came third for the other Hyundai. Um, Ford, Pierre Lupe was fourth. Well, yeah, incredible. Uh, Reverend Perry got fifth in the end, didn't he? Quick shout out, quick, Chris Ingram, our British driver in WRC2. Yeah. yeah, he came what was 11th overall, um, fourth in the WRC2, but he leads the junior driver championship in WRC2. So we've got something good for the Brits to shout out for. Got Escobacalapi, well, he was dominating, he crashed out. Again, it was. What did they you say about him doing a lappy? He was doing an extra lappy, was he? Yeah, he does occasionally. He has some runs and doesn't do all the rallies either. I think Oliver Solberg they swapped with. So he, he Joking was, about his name, Tiff. What's his I name? know, I didn't hear it. I know, I was still trying to remember, <laughs> remember pronouncing it. Yeah, lots of... This rallying is so tough this year. And they're so fast through these stages that, you know, with the, the grip they've got. You know, one small error and you can clip a rock and do a puncture and lappy hit a couple of rocks and ended up taking the rear suspension off the car. So it's a really tough year in the World Rally Championship. But um, I mean, it looks it's like always it's been tough. World Rally's always been tough. So. It's always been tight. It's always been tough. It's always been brutal on the cars. Yeah. So, what's next? MotoGP? So, yeah, that was the main, main cars. Yeah. So in the cars, World Rally Championship was the big event last weekend. But the bikes, of course, MotoGP out again in Barcelona. And it looks like Fabio Quattararo, who's just signed an extension to his contract because the Yamaha hasn't been working this year, but he's now he's got it going and he, he's pulling clear. Of the It looks like he's going to win the championship the second year running, the way on form, because uh, he won quite easily in Barcelona after Alex Esparago, yeah, brilliant driver on pole, but uh, he got beaten off the line and he was running second following Quattararo for the whole bloody race. And then he thought the penultimate lap was the last lap. And he backed off and dropped his fifth. <laughs> so not good for Alex. But the Ducati boys had a nightmare. Hang uh, on. But how would he think that? If, if Surely if he thought it was penultimate lap, why would he drop down to fifth to, to slipstream and to get through? Or to not to... I know. Well, well yeah, we just backed right off. Probably sat I didn't see it. We probably <laughs> sat up the saddle, waved at his team. His team probably all saying, keep going. Yeah, I didn't see how it worked. Um, but yeah, the Ducati boys, Bagnaia, the factory Ducati, had a chance to, to win the title. But he was taken out first quarter. Um, this Japanese boy, Takaki Nakagami. I saw that. He's getting a bad I saw the aftermath. Um, 
Um, he took out both Bang Dai and Rins at turn one with a diving. And he had some trouble in the last round as well with, I forget who was that with. So he's getting a bad um, name. And he's the sort of Honda protege, the Japanese Honda protege. And he's, he's got Marquez's best bits off the bike now, Marquez. So I've had his operation on his shoulder, Mark Marquez. So wish him the very best to try and recover. This awful shoulder that's ruined his riding style. So he's been to America, had a big operation. Hopefully be back next year as, as good as he was, but we don't know. Um, and Bastianini, the private Ducati Premac tanker, he dropped it, he crashed himself out. So not a good day for Ducatis. <laughs> not at all. Moto2, um, we keep on following our Brits. Jake Dixon qualified fourth. He's trying to get this podium. He's led and fallen. He's been third and fallen. At least he finished this time. He got fourth. So again, dicey. I think he led for a short while and then dropped back to third and trying to There's get a no podium. There's no easy series now. Ever, he's, he's, he's the uh, the Paul Woodman of, 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 of Moto2. <laughs> he can't get the podium. He keeps on getting close. He can't get it. Jake, um, I feel you, buddy. I feel you. <laughs> Um, Sam Lowe's the other British rider in Moto2, qualified six, he crashed out again. And Sam, I think that's six retirements on the trot. And how long he'll stay as a, a professional paid rider in Moto2, I don't know, he must be doubting his, his luck. Um, but of course, they expected Pedro Costa, our big favourite, the Moto3 kid champion from last year, because he led in France, looked like he was going to win his first race and dropped it. Then he, he blew everybody at Mugello. And the commentators are beginning to talk about, you know, nobody's going to win another Moto2 race now Acosta's got his act together. He only qualified 12th and finished 6th, so he didn't blast through the field. I wonder what the difference uh, is. Is it just because there's so much more experienced riders now, the bikes are bigger, heavier, more powerful? Yeah, I think they are, they are heavier, you know, for the kids to, to jump up, a lot more power. It's a lot quicker than Moto3. And as you said, experienced riders like Sam Lowe's, there are riders that have been there for four or five years, so it's, a, it's, it's not as easy as maybe they thought, but... Um, the Costa talent will surely shine through in the end. Yes. Moto3, our three Brits, John McPhee qualified 11th, got up to 7th. Scott Ogden, we still think Scott's going to be a star of the future. Uh, he qualified 12th, but um, where was he? He qualified the 13th and, and uh, 14th. He seems to be able to stay with the pack. He hasn't yet got the overtaking. He's beating Grand Prix winners. Well, I think one right behind him was another a Japanese kid who's won a Grand Prix. So, He's on the pace, but hasn't quite got the race experience. When you watch those Moto3s, I mean, you know, they cross the line seven bikes separated by half a second. It's just crazy stuff. Uh, Josh Watley, unfortunately, didn't, didn't finish our third Brit. So always hope for the Brits. But it's really interesting to watch it now to see this um, whether uh, Scott Ogden can make it through the ranks. We need some British riders who are none in MotoGP. So uh, Scott Dixon's the closest, perhaps, to making that break. Because I think Sam Lowe's has had a year in, in or two in, in MotoGP and, and dropped back out again. Oh. But always good entertainment. I didn't see it, obviously, on the telly, but always good entertainment. If it wasn't for Brexit, we could cheer for some Europeans, maybe. Or we can cheer for the Europeans anyway. No, we, we still have to cheer for Britain. Even, even if, you know, we can't, we can't look at every rider. We have to have a bit of British, not bias, otherwise our friendly people would okay, we're biased. So we're just supporting, we're supporting British riders, helping so public. Last night there was a Football World Cup qualifier. Uh, this is a motorsport podcast, but Football World Cup qualifier Wales versus Ukraine. I don't yeah. think that. Congratulations to Wales, but I don't think your PR department has done you uh, much. This oh, no, PR John department much good. Did a tweet like that, didn't he? Yeah, great win for Wales. Disaster <laughs> PR exercise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In fact, you know, it looked like um, 
you create the better chances, more more shots, more shots on target. We just, just couldn't get one through. But we have to congratulate Wales. They're a British country, so you yes. know we're, we're, we're torn there between our lo- British loyalty and uh, you know Ukraine support. So, we're go- we're di- digressing a little bit. It's quite funny because yeah. if Wales play anybody in any sport, typically I support Wales because they're you know the yeah, yeah. as the crow flies about six miles yeah. away from my house. Well my wife is half Welsh, Patsy's half Welsh, so you know I've got to go, you know, I've got to support Wales. But if England play anyone, whatever the nastiest most awful country in the world, the Welsh would always support the other country and it always <laughs> makes me laugh. Uh, anyway we digress. Let's go to Formula E. Let's go to Jakarta. Yeah good news for Britain. Good news. I think Jaguar always need a bit, bit of good news. They're going through tough times as a manufacturer. I I drive a Jaguar XF sport brakes. So I'm a Jaguar fan. It's such a great Hendy. British mark. Yeah. The word. And so yeah, they they well, it's Mitch Evans really seems to be the Formula E expert. And he was good with previous teams. And um he's not they still have problems. He's only about fourth of the championship and closing in. Stoffel van Dorm, I think, leads it from a safe. He does, yeah. But he won this first Jakarta race. Apparently it was a good track, good bit of overtaking towards the end. Um so yeah, great. Mitch Evans winning. Uh, Jake Dixon was the best Brit in sixth with the Andretti team, the American team, and uh, Sam Bird, who was, was ninth. And Sam Bird was one of the kings of Formula E in the first early years, but he's unfortunately getting a bit um, blown away by his teammates. Of course, he's with Jaguar now, um, but Mitch Evans. So, I did, yes, it, it, I did. I did see, you, you're right. Stoffel van Dorm is leading. Uh, Jean Eric Virgin second. Jean Eric Um and I did see the. Remember last year when. Extreme E did the picking up the rubbish on the beach. Former E yeah. doing that as well yesterday in Jakarta. Oh, were they? Yeah, oh, yeah very boys. good. They're saving the planet. I mean, it's just, it's a photo opportunity. It's such, that's rubbish PR. The Welsh <laughs> Rugby Union, uh, football FA, that was better PR beating, <laughs> in my opinion. It's just staged. Uh, okay, so Formula E, were you excited or you didn't see any of it to, to be excited about? No. Would you be excited anyway? It, it was a reasonable race, by the because you know, apparently, I mean, Mitch seems to you know managed to overtake it, but he overtook just because um, the leader at the time, which was Vern, I think, you know, lifted and coasted, and so if you don't lift and coast, you overtake. But of course, if you overtake, you use too much power on that lap, and then you have to defend with a power disadvantage. It's it's a it's a strange form of motorsport. So here's but it trivia. always looks close. So here's the trivia. Tri- it does look close. Here's a trivia for you. Stoffel van Dorn, what was his number in Formula One? What was his racing number in Formula One? I don't know. He did one Grand Prix, didn't he? Number two. Because I, because, because we put something on social media said, uh, "What would your race number be?" And somebody said, "Number two, like the legend." Now the only person I could see in the whole of Formula One that's ever ra- raced in Formula One was Stoffel van Dorn. But so Stoffel's a legend now. Well, I don't know. According he's, to... yeah, he's a real, he's a real medium kid, isn't he? Forever doing, you know, stuff. Okay. Where are we going so, next? IMSA. Was... Over to America, IMSA. Over to America, to Bell. Isle. This is the last weekend they're racing on this is famous it not, Bell Isle. Is IMSA not an acronym? Is... It's IMSA, the International Motorsports Motorsport Association. So, yeah, thank you. Everyone says IMSA. Okay. IMSA. So it's this amazing Bell Isle, this ridiculously tight track. I mean, some, some, they go from wall to wall to wall um, at very high speed. So they have the, the IMSA sports cars on the Saturday and then the Indica on the Sunday. But this was the last weekend of Bell Isle. Um, but I've got fond memories because I raced a, a celebrity race in the Chrysler Neon um, and I flew out and made the best for me because I had to go on Concord, the only way I could make the trip. Wow. I had one trip on Concord in my life, a one-way ticket to New York to get wow. me to Detroit in time to race. I shall ever 
forever be thankful for that because it was a wonderful experience on Concord and a bit of fun the, the Christ the Neon race Oh no! So it was it was a wonderful memorable weekend, but I got to watch the IndyCar while they were on. Nigel Mansell was in the race. It was, and it's such an incredible track. Um, but the IMSA Sports Car Race was run by the Cadillac of Sebastian Bourdais, and as you have great career. You see all these Formula One drivers that get kicked out. If they're sensible, they can have wonderful careers for like ten years in America. Bourdais done IndyCar. He's now doing sports cars, uh, sharing with Van der Zander. Um, the Brits, the British pairing that raced for Akura finished second, Ollie Jarvis and Tom Blomqvist. So um, I always think Tom Blomqvist should be Swedish because his dad was Swedish. It's funny, I always think these, it's like Rosberg, you know, Nico Rosberg was German and get, of course, you know, his dad was Finnish. So it's, you know, I know you shouldn't have to have your dad's nationality, but it's sort of when you get a famous name like Blomqvist, and I say he's a British driver, I feel a bit wrong in saying it. Maybe sorry, his, Tom. Maybe Tom, his, his, mother's, his, mother's, maybe, his mother's British. Yeah, there you go. So they had good races, but the, the IndyCar race sounded like a pretty... Detroit's always a weird race because it's very much tyre dependence. It's very much a three-stop or two-stop choice um, because they're the, the, the alternate tyre, they call it the red sidewall tyre. They have two very different tyres in IndyCar and you have to use them both. So it's a bit like Formula One. But of course, pit stops take longer because you've only got the four mechanics doing the four wheels and you're refueling at the same time. And uh, Detroit is always about tyres because as I said, the red tire runs out of grip very quickly. But if you get a two-stopper, you've got to try and make it last for 10 or 15 laps. But uh, I think Rossi was the first, he only did six laps opening on his on the, the quicker tire. So it, it was a race with so much overtaking, so much confusion, a bit like the middle of a Grand Prix sometimes. Would be in fact like Barcelona was bad, wasn't it? People coming in and out of the pits. And you sort of almost lost track of who was where. Um, and it was, um, it was, um, Will Power that came to win and he qualified 16th. So imagine like Monaco, you could win from 16th, you'd be told you're crazy. But in IndyCar, because of the strategy and the tyre changes and the pace cars, uh, you can do this. So it was, it was apparently a confusing race, but uh, Rossi was catching power towards the end, so it got very tight at the end. Rossi wrote another couple of laps, you'd had him. Um, big news for Rossi is leaving Andretti Motorsport and going to McLaren next year. So, a bit of team gossip in, in IndyCar. But um, Jack Harvey, our, our, our Brit out there, had a, he was 15th or something. So, he had a terrible year. He dropped out of um, Mayer Shank Racing because he thought Rahal Letterman was a bigger team. This would be his big break. And Rahal Letterman had just been terrible all year. You know, I think Jack Collin finished 15th you know, in, a, in a race team. He's finished in the top three or four in the past with his old Mayer Shank team. Um, so I feel sorry for Jack. Rahal Letterman's just having an awful year. It's funny when they're all the cars are the same and everybody thinks, you know, you should be able to be as quick as anybody. And yet they just can't seem to get a setup that works, um, even though they've got the same chassis as everybody else. It's a funny world. If I was talking about Prima power, you know, you have to get a Prima car in Formula 4 or Formula 3 or Formula 2 because Prima power was win. Um, and just I've just read this morning that one of the Formula 4 winners, Prima power, has been disqualified for a illegal car but this is you know what happens in these junior formers when they're all the same car you know the team engineers are all looking for some little tweak which might be on a gray area legality wise they might be stretching a millimeter more ride height here or there uh, that will make that difference when the cars are all the same you know tiny differences can can make you a winner or not 
So, um, and IndyCar's that, you know, IndyCar, you still need great engineers. You know, the people complain about it being a one-mate formula, so it's not a good challenge for engineers. But it is, it's a massive challenge because, you know, you're working in such, you know, tight margins to, to get a win. So, yeah, it sounds like very entertaining and Belle Isle. It's the last Belle Isle. I think they go for a street race next year. I think might be a permanent course. I don't know. But, um, yeah, and of course, NASCAR was entertaining again. Always There's a new race, of course. You say that, way. always entertaining. It's not always entertaining at all. You're talking rubbish. Well, read the race report. I haven't seen it. But it's not always entertaining. Well, all right. Nine times out of ten. You can. Oh, there was loads six of times, incidents six times yellow... out of ten? Five times? Four times out of ten? <laughs> you never watch it. How do you know? Because it's not but entertaining. Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch was robbed of a win. Again... <laughs> You know, he's cruising into a win that looked a bit boring. Then, of course, it, it's like a Michael Massey moment. They have a lot of those because <laughs> someone crashed with two laps to go. So all of a sudden, cruising to a win after about 300 laps, you know, two to go. And the buddy safety car comes out because someone else crashes. So you all have to reform. So he then had Joey Logano in the front row for the restart, the green-white check, a two-lap race to victory. And uh, Joey had Ryan Blaney, a teammate behind him. So he got a good push at the restart, uh, got to the lead and won, got away. So Kyle Busch, so it looked like he was going to cruise to win, didn't. Uh, but the drama was going on, loads of people falling off and spinning out. And um, you know, the Mellon man I've talked about, Ross Chastain, who's won two races this year, smashes the Mellon. When he got into big trouble, he took out um, two big names. He took out uh, the eleven. Um, who was it? Uh, Denny Hamlin and Chase. He made two crazy Wow, pulls. wow. But the lovely thing, in, again, about NASCAR, you know, so he went and apologised to everybody, Chester. He said, I just, guys, I know I got carried away, you know, I just dived in and I know I shouldn't know, and I'm, you know, I shouldn't know better than that. And then he just said, but well, I know it'll come back to me. Because <laughs> you will get taken out by the people you took out at some time in the future. So now he's driving around the rest of the season, <laughs> waiting for Denny Hamlin to come looming in his mirrors, knowing that he may well be given a tap. They don't well, forget. Well, I don't, suppose you, I don't suppose you watched it as you're gallivanting on this uh, Irish trip, but uh, uh, BBC Top Gear was back last night and they what's, did a... What's that yeah, programme, is it? Yeah, they did a bit of a... Um, uh, like a cheap man's NASCAR is like banger racing, effectively, but they were all giving each other a tap, as you can imagine. But um, anyone that saw it, let us know what you think below in the comments on... But they were tapping to a choreographed plan as opposed to tapping at 200 miles an hour <laughs> yeah. with concrete walls all around. <laughs> to try and win a race or not. I've got a bit of NASCAR news. Kimi Raikkonen is going to be appearing yes. in the New York... Uh, is, a, is, it, is it a proper NASCAR race? Is it the Glen? Watkins Glen? One of the street courses. It's in, yeah, it's in, Glen? in fact, there's a street it, course this weekend, Sonoma. So you want to see the big V8s on a street course. They're down in the California Simona Raceway this weekend. But yes, Kimmy's the Kim so even he can't resist a NASCAR ride. He knows it's good. He yeah. knows it's entertainment. He knows he could win from nowhere. It's going to um, be NASCAR Cup Series event in New York in August is uh, is when he's going to be there. So, yeah, he'll drive the Watkins, uh, Watkins he, event race. He's going to be driving um, uh, a Camaro ZL1, and that's part of, I think, am I right in saying Pitbull, the rapper, owns that team, I think, or am I making that up? Yes, well, that's the Melon Man's team. Right, okay. Yes, so he's a teammate with Ross Justine who's won two races. Yes, so I know car. some NASCAR trivia. <laughs> uh, of course, last week we also had the Le Mans Test weekend. Um, last weekend, the, the, the Toyota's quickest, but they're all running to different, you know, balance of powers going on. 
the GT cars were down at Paul Ricard going round and round. A Ferrari won the race down there. And um, Rossi, Valentino Rossi, came fifth, I think, in his Audi. So GT action, lots going on. TT, keep on going all this week. And we've got a busy um, week coming up. So we have got Le Mans, of course, which is yeah. going to be pretty epic. And, and F1 at Azerbaijan. I love Azerbaijan. It's a great street track. I mean, that, that really is entertaining. Formula 2s are out there as well. So F1 and F2 at Azerbaijan. The Le Mans 24-hour race, which just I'm not too excited. We need those other manufacturers to come in. You know, just having four or five um, GT1s, what GT1s, you know, the hypercars, two Toyotas and two Glickenhaus and an Alpine isn't really enough to make me too excited about this year's Le Mans. But it's always a wonderful event, a wonderful week. Um, and then IndyCar, Road America, a track I've never raced on, but every driver that's ever raced around Road America said this is the best road course. It's just about four miles long, every type of corner, just grass verges and track, you know, nothing, no runoff anywhere. I think Turn One's got runoff, but they're allowed to go out if they want. They don't bother the track limits there. But a really great race, Road America. Otherwise, is- the bikes, World Superbikes, Mithano. But, um, and just remind, remind yeah. our viewers and listeners where you're what are you doing in Ireland? It's the Porsche Club. Porsche Club Ireland is their 25th birthday, and I've been joining the teams driving around the most wonderful roads up what near car? Westport. What car are you in? Um, well, 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 they're all in Porsches. Um, and, and well, I had to rent a car, didn't I? And and um, it's a it's it's a lovely Hyundai i20, <laughs> which um. It needs a bit of winding up, I must admit. Oh, and the gosh. gearbox is being greatly used, but a manual gearbox. It's a lovely little car. I mean, I get the same view as the Porsche drivers. I just don't quite keep keep up with them, um, some of them. But I, I haven't done They've been doing it for three days. We've only joined for one of them. And, uh, okay. enjoy, enjoy, the, enjoy the rest of your Porsche club. We're going trip. to Galway today. We're going to Galway. So we are. We are. For the crack. For the Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not going for some crack. <laughs> We're going to cut the, there. The crack. Oh, the crack. Someone else. <laughs> Thanks for joining. We'll see Bye, you. Bye, everyone. Cheers. Cheers.